Uh, we wanted to reminisce and, and give you an idea of what it was like for our athletes to perform in front of their home fans. And we are utterly delighted to welcome into the programme a uh, man who captivated us during the 1990 Commonwealth Games. An extraordinary career he did have. Uh, his uh, place in New Zealand uh, cycling history is undeniable. The first New Zealander to win a cycling medal at the Olympic Games. He went to four Olympic Games, won a swag of Commonwealth Games medals in 1986, uh, but went even better in 1990, winning three golds and a silver, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, these days, doing wonderful things in our community. Firefighter for a number of years. Well, I hope, I didn't fact check that. I hope he's still doing it. Uh, Gary Anderson is so kind enough to join us. Gary, thanks so much for dropping by on ECNZ. I hope we're finding you well this Saturday morning. Yeah, hi. Uh, yeah, thanks very much for having me, Daniel. Yeah. Um, Brilliant. It's been Brilliant a long of you time. to join us. <laughs> yeah, thanks. It's been a long time since um, all of those events happened. Uh, and yes, I am still uh, an active firefighter. Yeah, I still work for Fire and Emergency New Zealand. Oh, fantastic. You, you, Any time I've read or heard, you, you always strike me as incredibly humble, sort of self-deprecating, always want to put your achievements sort of, you know, down a peg or two. But I, I just want to talk about 1990 and just what it meant to you, your, your cycling teammates, to the broader New Zealand side of, of the joy of competing at home. You obviously had great success, of course. What, what are your abiding memories of 1990? One of the things that stood out for me back then and, and um, yeah, I don't think about it all that often, but um, now that it's been sort of brought up again recently, um, one of the things that really stood out was the patriotism um, of New Zealanders. Like we have, you know, we have the big all black tests, the big the big cricket matches, and that sort of. And you see a big crowd, um, but you don't generally see um, the sort of well as much of the support sort of outside of the stadium area and. Uh, maybe, yeah. It just seemed to be absolutely everywhere. It was um, all over, all over the Auckland region, and, and all, also all over the country. But the support nationwide, and the um, yeah, the New Zealand flags and things like that everywhere. Just it was phenomenal and equal to anything that I'd been to at that time. And you know, um, sort of from then on, really, as far as Commonwealth Games went. Um, was just a fantastic uh, place to be, and everyone seemed to be excited about it. Well, at least the majority of people seemed to be excited about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're never going to get a hundred percent public opinion on any matter, are we? <laughs> no, Gary, not. you know, some people win lotto and find a reason to to be unhappy about <laughs> it. So, so it sounds like you're painting this picture of patriotism and play, but patriotism and action, which is again, probably not something New Zealand doesn't do. Um, uh, well, in comparison to Nathan's around the world, certainly doesn't do. So you, you felt Kiwiana everywhere, patriotism everywhere. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it really was. And, um, uh, you know, obviously we had the news with um, with the potential of the Games coming back to New Zealand um, in 10 years or so time. Um, and there's obviously some who will argue, for, and perhaps for good reason, why it shouldn't happen. Um and I can understand that, but I certainly sit firmly in the camp of it should happen, uh, and largely for that reason. You know, like you can't go through your entire life just with just ticking all of the boxes and just doing everything because you perhaps should or maybe it's the exact right thing to do. But, you know, it would also give a huge boost to the country, um, I feel. You know, just it would be... Um, I'm sure it would create a lot of uh, financial turnover, 
Um, and with the new sort of structures, the way they want to do it, with a regional um, sort of system where they use a lot of stadiums and that are already existing rather than going and building a whole lot of new facilities, um, it should help to make things you know, a, a little bit cheaper, if you like. But just the, the boost for the country, I think, feeling would be fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I think under the new rules designed by the Commonwealth Games uh, Federation, um, without those, I, I would have put my hand up and said, "Don't touch with a you know ten foot pole." Um, financial disaster ahead if you if you're going to force it on one city to have all of these sports where you need all of these facilities. It's now just athletics and swimming are the the must have um, events, and you can sort of um, you know pick and choose what you want. You know, building on the facilities you already have, you can go up and down the country. Mm. It's it's a far more modern flavour. It's a far more prudent approach, isn't it, um, uh, Gary? We, yeah. we, we want to yeah. avoid like a financial disaster of Delhi two thousand ten. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know all the ins and outs of of that. To be honest, I haven't taken all of that much notice. But it does seem to be heavily. Um, yeah, the talk seems to be heavily. Oh well, couldn't possibly afford it. Well, yeah, perhaps we. Yeah, I think we also probably couldn't afford not to. You know, if you want. Um, yeah. If you want the athletes of the country in it to have things to aspire to. And I kind of where I'm, I guess where I'm going with this a little bit is that a lot of athletes um, that compete at sort of um, Olympic and Commonwealth Games sports will never ever in their entire career compete at home um, because they'll never have a home games. And that would go for an awful lot of athletes that have, you know, competed for our country um, over obviously decades. So um, it's it's fantastic to compete at home and. It brings with it extra pressures, I suppose. Um, it'll also give athletes that perhaps wouldn't make the team if it was a travelling overseas team. It would give some other athletes an opportunity to to um, make it into a team because no doubt we would field a, a large team. Um, and, of course, that could just be the catalyst for one of those athletes to um, just to step up a little bit more. And, um, you know, otherwise they may well be, I've missed the team, I'm not travelling overseas, that might be the end of it for me. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a lot of really really good positives um, that outweigh the negatives as to having having it or not having it. Gary Anderson is with us, as always, thinking of others. I want to talk about you now, uh, and don't deflect too much here. Uh, but getting ready for 1990, it sounded like it was really important for you, and the little research that I've done, uh, you skipped the World Championships the year before. You, you were all about peaking for Auckland. Am I right in thinking? Yeah, that's right. Um yeah, that's what I did do. Um, I didn't go to the 1989 World Championships, which were in France. Um, I decided to train uh, in the US and in New Zealand right through uh, and, and try and peak for 1990. I wasn't even at my best form when we had our national championships, uh, which were held in December because of the games being in January. Um, I was still wasn't really at my 100% peak, and I'd, yeah, I'd worked really hard to be at a, at a really high peak for 1990. And yeah, I, at that time in my life, um, that was really important. It was a huge stepping stone for me. Um, I'd been to Edinburgh in 1986 as an 18-year-old and kind of got a taste of the games and, and, and how it was and just yeah, looked forward so much to Auckland. And um, yeah, I put an awful lot of effort into into those games, and um, so did the entire New Zealand cycling team, at least, um, and I'm sure all of the other sports as well. And it was one of our most successful yeah, um, efforts ever. So not just myself, but many of the others in the team had fantastic results, and uh, it was a great atmosphere. It was a really good team to be involved in, 
and um, yeah, yeah, lifelong friends out of out of that time of my life. Three golds of silver, of course. Uh, picking up silver, I think it was the 1K time trial. You won the 4,000 metre individual pursuit, which set you up uh, to take uh, a bronze medal at the uh, Summer Olympics in Barcelona two years later. You won the 10-mile scratch race, the 4,000 metre team pursuit. H- how vivid are the memories of, of the races themselves? Uh, yeah, I guess pretty good. Um the yeah, the kilometre time trial was first, the thousand metre time trial, and I'd won a bunch of silver and bronzes in Edinburgh four years earlier. Uh, that wasn't my specialist event, so it was almost like a warm-up event. And um, I wanted to do well, and I did think that I had an outside chance of actually winning, um, but I didn't. I got second, and yeah, it was sort of almost a little bit like crikey, another another silver medal, another yeah, I won a gold <laughs> one. So. Um, when the individual pursuit rounds came along and the next couple of days, um, yeah, it was pretty focused on that and really focused on making the final. And uh, I think if, if I'm really honest, I remember um, just once I made the final, I knew that I was going to win that final, you know? Um, yeah. Just, uh, yeah, somebody was going to have to come up with something really, really good to, to beat me. I was going to win that final come hell or high water. And, yeah, that's what happened. I got through on the final. So, um, yeah, it was pretty over the moon at the time. Yeah. Are the memories quite vivid of the noise, the sounds, the smells, the, you know, the home fans? Are they still quite vivid? They bur- Something like that, I'd imagine, could, could almost burn into your memory. Yeah, I suppose so. It's, I mean, it's 33 years ago now. <laughs> so um, a lot's happened since then. And... Um, yeah, just yeah, but it, when you think back at it, look back at a few pictures, um, and to be honest, there's a, a couple of Aussie mates in that that I've got um, who've posted up or who, who keep, keep posting up um, things on Facebook quite regularly. And recently, a couple of the events from 1990 popped up on their Facebook page, so um, it kind of brought back a few memories there. Um, yeah, I just remember it being a big buzz and a lot of smiling faces. Um, if there was people that weren't happy about the games being in Auckland at that time, I never saw any of them. Uh, it just seemed like <laughs> pretty much everybody seemed to be happy with what was going on and really relishing, um, you know, what was going on in the community. And there were so many people involved as well, so many volunteers and, and helpers. And, uh, yeah, people... Uh, there's a photograph that hangs in the cycling club rooms in Whanganui. Um, and in that picture, which is of the New Zealand team's pursuit riding, obviously you've got myself and the team, you've got Ron Cheatley as a coach, and then there was, I think, three other people from my home club here in Whanganui that were in that photograph that were at that Commonwealth Games as officials. Um, so, yeah, just the, the um, involvement was phenomenal. Like, that wouldn't happen if, if the Games were held in another country. How's this, Gary? Got a text message here from Joseph, who's uh, sent it through to double eight double three. I remember 1990 fondly as a six-year-old watching Gary on TV and then going to see the men's road race in Auckland. A few weeks later, getting to sit down in the lounge with Gary and wear his medals was awesome. How does it make you feel that <laughs> you, what you did has impacted a six-year-old now 33 years on? Yeah, that is, that's, that's pretty cool to hear. Um, and, uh, yeah, just... It's... It is, I suppose, one of the things that comes with, you know, when you do this stuff, when you're sitting out at the time, perhaps you don't really think, well, 
it has a, yeah. a roll-on effect um, with other people. You, to be honest, as an athlete, you're usually pretty selfish. And if anyone, anyone <laughs> that knows me well from back in that era will know that I was very self-centered, very selfish, and um, very focused. Um, and sometimes it came across as being arrogant, etc. But I think that was a little bit mistaken. But anyway, it's another story. Um, <laughs> yeah, just just to know that. Uh, yeah, I think I, I when I think back. A long, long way to a kid at school, I guess. Um, I heard some of the 1974 Com Games um, stuff broadcast over radio, some of the 76 Olympics and so on um, <clears throat> on TV and on radio. <clears throat> and I think some just, I don't know whether it's direct, and I don't sit there and think it was that race or this person, but I think those things did have a bearing, you know, that watching those events. Um, they had a bearing on me somewhere along the line and, uh, and set a little bit of a desire to want to be able to do something similar. And I sort of fell into my sport with a little bit of family history, but um, without any real push and um, just found a, a great niche. And then once I was there, really every stepping stone in front of me led towards Com Games, Olympic Games. And um, yeah, I, I chased it pretty hard. Well, thanks for creating all the memories over the years. Thanks so much for taking the time today and dropping by. I can really hear the excitement in your voice at the thought of the future athletes of New Zealand possibly getting the chance of competing in front of their home uh, home fans. Uh, you know, it's really palpable coming through. Gary Anderson, thanks so much again, and hopefully we can do this again down the line. Go well. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Cheers. Gary Anderson joining us on the program.